Hey guys, welcome to the Rational Optimization Podcast. My guest today is Guido Moreira. He's a student of Cognitive Science and Artificial Intelligence here in Tilburg University. And I want to be honest, this podcast, my goal is to provide as much value as I possibly can to you. And this today was more of a free conversation than like a structured try to discover the meaning in life, discover what is the most rational thing to do. So if you want to learn more about concrete philosophy, then maybe go to another episode. But if you're in for a actually interesting conversation about studying and artificial intelligence, really different ideas about artificial intelligence, then you're at the right place. Enjoy. Hey, Guglio, tell me you study cognitive science and artificial intelligence. What made you do this? What is what is the reason behind this? Oof. Do you know like the real uh, story or the uh, feel good tell, story? Tell the tell the real story. <laughs> okay, um, I was living in Slovakia. Uh, I'm from Italy, uh, by the way. Yeah, okay. uh, people wouldn't know. Uh, I was living in Slovakia for two years at the time because uh, I was working there. And um, how old are you now? Twenty-five. What have you been working in Slovakia? Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, I was not qualified to do any uh, high level work. I didn't have any, you know, it's not even, I didn't have the titles, uh, the, like this paperwork that says, oh, I can do this. No, no, I didn't even have the skills because I had never worked on, let's say, programming on my own or uh, learning art or music, whatever. I had, not only I didn't study formally, I didn't even study interior. I was just watching YouTube the whole day when I wasn't working and learning random uh, assortment of things, but they're never particularly useful uh, as an ensemble. And uh, I was a job hopper. Uh, well, like not a professional job hopper, you know, it's not a title, but I was working for um, Amazon as a data entry, which is really really boring like imagine a task that you have to do as a target 1300 times per day like during the yeah. job interview i was i was there like they told me this uh, and i was like wait that's about five seconds per task and she was like whoa you're you're good at math like yeah that's not gonna help me <laughs> in this job because it's gonna be boring anyways uh so i did that for almost for a slightly longer than a year um well it was eight the worst. hours every day Eight hours every day, five days a week, 1300 items per day. Um, it was not the worst, but it was not good at all. Like I, I was, it was mind numbing. Like the thing is, um, I was, it was during COVID. So there was not much to do anyways. And I was living with my girlfriend. Um, so I was working from home all the time. It wasn't that bad. Like she was studying, I was working. It was a good time. But the job was really mind-numbing to the point where i couldn't take it anymore and i wanted to change again after like a year um my previous job i also only lasted a year the job before that like three months so i was not uh i was like oh i'm gonna skip studying and go have a career and i was not gonna have a career because i didn't like anything um that's when my girlfriend pointed out like one that one evening i was complaining about this type of stuff and my girlfriend pointed out Guido, you know you spend like four hours a day watching YouTube videos about artificial intelligence. And I was like, yeah, so what? You know, you can study that, right? 
uh, like duh of course you can but like not me i was a shit student i can't study uh, i graduated high school with uh, you know okay an average grade like 80 percent on the final exam but in my um in my final report before the exam right i had uh, six out of ten which is the minimum in every subject except one when i had a seven in math in math uh you get a grade for your behavior in italy um i had six in that as well not because i was like uh, it, it, like people who have six usually smoking class or they they're just general dickheads and will yell at professors i was super like quiet kid good kid i was just skipping class as much as legally allowed to where you're allowed to have 250 hours of absence in italy and i had 250 hours otherwise if i had one more hour i would have had to repeat the year uh that's how bad of a student i was you know and i i tried university when i graduated high school chemical engineering for one semester uh, i had to take calculus i had to take chemistry one and i had to take uh linear algebra and of the three subjects i only passed uh linear algebra with like an eight out of ten and the other two i bombed uh the two you know important ones like algebra was considered easy it's calculus and chemistry which are hard ones in chemical engineering right so i was not a good student all around and my girlfriend suggests oh why don't you go and uh pursue artificial intelligence um it took took me a little while to convince myself that it could actually be a thing um because I had also a bad experience in high school where my programming teacher was hor so horrible that I thought I would never want to be a programmer in life. And now it's all I want to do. Like, I got uh, I got an assignment. Uh, we were programming in C++, this subject. Um, we had to program a maze solver. The deadline is in three weeks from now. And I, I already finished it a week ago. Because one nice. night I started working on it at, at 8 p.m., and I didn't go to sleep until I was done at 4 a.m. in the morning because I was yes. enjoying it so much. Yeah, I love pro programming. You can get so into it. Like, I didn't do that much programming, but whenever <laughs> I do it, I'm like, it's yeah. like math. It's, it's it's beautiful. And you like, you solve a problem. You have immediate feedback. You're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really have to concentrate. Yeah. When it goes well, it's so fun. I have a project that's been holding me back lately a little bit, but I'm going to be done with that soon. Um, and I can go back to more pleasant endeavors. Um, but when it goes well, it's so fucking fun. Like I play puzzle games, you know, uh, occasionally, like I, I am a, um, mild gamer. Uh, I used to be a full on nerd when I was in high school. Now I just play one hour a week or two when I, I'm not busy with other stuff. Uh, and puzzle games are something I do, uh, or even simple things like Sudoku and stuff like that. Um, programming feels like a game feels like a puzzle game it just you have a very very large box of puzzle pieces and you don't know what the final image is supposed to look like and you just try and combine them together until you get what you want the image to look like yeah true this is yeah that's I, what it feels I, like I to me at least yeah, yeah yeah i don't like puzzling that much because like it feels so pointless like it feels so incredibly it's like <laughs> here i bought this puzzle i bought like work for no reason it's like yeah um, no, um, i get that i i don't mean puzzles in that sense because yeah. i haven't done one of those since i was like eight yeah, uh, i mean like for example strategy games where you have to manage uh, i was playing a while for a while civilization 
where you have to manage a small empire yeah, throughout okay. 2000 years of history ah, or so, so computer computer games yeah, absolutely okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. um or even just like uh, escape rooms but digital that's that that yeah. would be like a puzzle game um there's a lot of things or um just mazes things like this things that take mm -hmm. logic and and thinking to solve it's not just uh you know a first person shooter game instead doesn't require a lot of um okay i might offend someone like this but it doesn't require a lot of uh strictly logical thinking it requires much more reflexes and accuracy in your movement w with the thumbstick and whatnot or with the mouse if you're an actual gamer uh, <laughs> instead i like to to play games that engage the mind right and programming feels like a game when it's going right when when it's within yeah. your skill set yeah and when you like write that this a little bit harder yeah when, yeah exactly um i kind of came up already earlier in the conversation the flow state when you're in the flow and that's i think an actual psychological term being yes. in the flow right? yes um you you're challenged but not excessively so it doesn't become frustrating um and you manage to stay focused for way longer than normal and and it's satisfying work that you do during that time that when mm -hmm. you're done you're tired but not stressed and exhausted you're just tired and satisfied and yeah proud it's like yeah yeah i, I like I, i it depends on what you do but i think if you also want like the output and, and of course if you work really hard on something you want to work on of course you're proud in the end and i think yeah. it's like like the numbers uh, okay i don't know how they came up with this number but it's either four or seven percent that it has to be harder than your skill set so it's like slightly mm. exceeding what you can do okay but only like not too much only like and a small like, percentage yeah, like yeah, a exactly, 20th exactly. of your work should yeah, be exactly. uh, so, i think that that feels low are you sure about that Yeah, it's four or seven percent. I'm pretty sure about this. That, that's, I, that's, I read, that might explain why I feel so challenged because I take on tasks that are way above four to seven percent above my competence level. But the thing is, if you like, it's not really because you have like, if if you count like Google in and everything, if you yeah. you're allowed to use ChatGPT and stuff, and then you can uh, go use this and like. That way, your competence is like higher, maybe. Yeah, like, but I'm I'm telling you, even accounting for that, yeah. uh, I have taken on projects that were way more than I could, uh, like, shoot off more than I could bite or whatever, beat off more than I could chew. How's the term? Doesn't uh, matter. I'm not an English native speaker, so. <laughs> but like, even with ChatGPT, and let's be clear, I use ChatGPT Plus because like I use that three hours a day, every day, or something. Like I'm on ChatGPT a lot. Um, is it a lot better a lot better you like you have like the premium version yeah you I, don't no i'm so surprised do you use ChatGPT a lot sometimes yeah okay if it's like, like more than twice a week you should mm, consider it yeah is this like i think <coughs> the free one is 3.5 yeah and, and gpt4 is the i i heard that it is much better but it is much better i it's hard to explain why because like you could get the same identical output from both versions But getting to that output with 3.5 would be way more frustrating. It's like 3.5, you're talking to a kid and like you have to come up with tricks and fun things to make it do what you want to. And GPT-4, you're talking with a cooperative adult who, you know, might not be the smartest in the world, but will do what you ask him to 
it's like it's willing to do what you want him to so uh, it sorry like uh, i tend to genderize it because in my native language we have only we don't have neutral anyways um with gpt4 you tell him do this and it does that to the best of its abilities mm. 3.5 you're like oh um what's three times seven and it's gonna be i don't know sounds about 15 <laughs> Okay. GPT four four would be like, ah, let me give it a shot and tries to do some calculations. Sometimes they're wrong, but at least it does what you're asking it to. Um, so I think it's much better in that sense. Okay, how much do you pay for it? It's a bit expensive. It's like twenty dollars per month, but with the conversion to euro and some added taxes, like twenty five yeah. euro. Wait, conversion to euro should be cheaper. I know, but they I think they add the taxes in the US and the taxes here. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah, maybe not the conversion itself, but you have VAT yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, twice. So um, it turns out to be fairly expensive mm-hmm. for a student. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. any working professional, it will be something I would strongly recommend if yeah. you can afford twenty bucks a month, because it does help. It makes me like five times more productive, straight up. It's yeah. Well, um, okay, maybe. three point five. The free version will make me twice more productive, probably so, yeah. than baseline. Can you do you only lo- use it like in the chat or can you use like the this version also like in the like for example read like files of your computer and stuff or I do not use that but it would be possible it would be possible uh, like you have to upload the files and let it do its own thing on it um I've actually never bothered trying cuz when I do for example statistical uh, cuz it's usually for data analysis when I do that analysis on, on something, I mostly know what I want to analyze anyways. Uh, and I'll just ask it to write an R script or a Python. I often do that analysis in Python, which is not the thing I would recommend for everyone. Um, but I just ask it to write a script for me in Python and I just run it myself. I don't need it to run it mm. on on GPT-4. But yeah. I think it's possible. I've never tried it. I've never bothered. I haven't been doing that much data analysis. Because lately, anyways. I was trying... Like for the podcast, like I give to mm. GPT the um, the transcript of the podcast and um, tell it to um, give me like like a transcript with like timestamps as well and tell me to give like the most um, interesting moments so I can make short videos out of it, you know. Ah. Um, but wait, how do you get the timestamps? You can just make a time ta- like a transcript, and this ta- tra- uh, transcript is like at 25 minutes oh, and okay. 15 seconds okay. you this use sentence some, like, and it's like yeah some okay. uh, you don't do them manually that's what I was no, wondering no, no, no. like yo that's no. fucked up nah. with the amount of podcasts Bro. you've been recording as well no. No, no 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 it's just like some internet tool you just put the podcast in uh, the audio and they give you a transcript um, and I feed this transcript to ChatGPT yeah but the thing is it's super confused if you give it like because it's a like, lot of info so much text it's like uh, yeah and, that will and then, definitely and then it's like super confused and forgets the question you asked in the beginning yeah. and uh, is this the same with the four version? it's way better yeah. it can handle actually big amounts of text hmm. not that well it does still forget things unless you remind it about mm-hmm. them so you're like oh remember the question i asked you earlier and it's gonna remember that maybe after like a thousand tokens like after two thousand tokens which is uh, 10 pages of text which is a lot it's gonna forget what you said at the start unless you remind it of uh, of it yeah but it's still you know i think a whole hour and a half podcast should probably all fit within 
Yeah. These yeah, amount of that's tokens. why I'm thinking like if you can make like the files and yeah. give it the files, uh, this may be better that you can like might, reference might better, that you reference like oh this transcript like and you reference to a document. Mm -hmm. So yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think there's a uh, one that. Uh, I know someone who uses it for studying. Uh, it's called pop.ai, I believe, which mm -hmm. takes uh, PDFs or text files and it will answer questions about those files. Yeah. You might want to try something like that. Yeah. Like it reads the whole document, reads. Like I don't know how it actually yeah. reads, but it reads the whole document and gives you back an answer to that, which should be fairly accurate as far as I know. Yeah, there are multiple of those. I had one. You know, Readwise, it's, um. Readwise is really cool. You can uh, put like books in there uh, or you can, you, it's like you can put everything in there. You can put books in there, websites, um, whenever you read like something, a PDF, like a study or stuff. And then um, it, like you can, you have just shortcuts to save like mm -hmm. essentially everything. Like when you're browsing, if you have a YouTube video, you can like save, save the YouTube video and it gives you like the YouTube video with the transcript and everything. And you can also ask everything questions. So right. this is, uh, I was using this. And I also... Does it work? Have you tried it with your transcripts from the podcast though? No, nah, I don't have it anymore. I just, uh, I, because it's like 10 bucks a month or something. And okay. I was like, I don't really need it. Like I don't, it's, it's fine if I just take notes from YouTube videos. I don't have yeah. to have like... You're more like, efficient than the yeah, AI yeah. model, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't really need it. Uh, but... Um, this is like an idea. I also found another thing. It's for scientific studies. Mm -hmm. It's like also with AI. Uh, it's like a database and they use AI and they have like a lot of uh, all the scientific studies inside. And um, it's like it's like a more efficient database where you can also ask like questions about the study and it, it, it takes out like the most important parts. So like... Okay. It... it it takes like the metadata but it it creates it itself because like if you have studies it would be really cool if you have like a super uh, ordered like if if you have a scientific paper yeah it, it will it, give you the proper index terms and exactly, things like that exactly and the, like like how many participants what exactly was Ooh. the was the um intervention for example or what exactly was the outcome and everything like like nice and sorted and what exactly was the topic and you can search by topic and it gives you like or you can ask it a question and it gives you studies that answer this question and um it yeah. also summarizes Wait, have you been using that uh, or you just I, found it and like i, I thought it was it, interesting I, I i started using it but it's like already half a year ago or something and yeah. i i i because I, I use like the free trial or something and okay. they still send me emails. So I know like <laughs> they are, um, they are improving because they're always like, okay, we added this feature, we yeah. added this feature. Okay. But I, right. I, I have to, I have to look into it because this is like, I think this can be really good. Like yeah. for it's, it's interesting though. Cause like a lot of the tools you find are, um, are really geared towards academic research, which is something I'm interested in doing, but I'm not really doing Like I did write one paper. We're waiting to know if it's published. We'll know in a couple of weeks. Uh, but besides that, I'm not doing any other research at the moment and I'm not planning on doing research besides my thesis next semester. And does that, will even just the thesis justify a tool like that? Like, because it's not interesting if you just use it for a week. You have to use this over three years to have, yeah. it's like compounding interest. Like if you keep doing that, and you, you really keep adding, know how to use it. And yeah, you keep adding stuff to your database of information, right? And then, 
Is that is that no, not no, how the, it works? The, I thought it was no, like no, Obsidian no. but automated with AI. No, isn't no, no. It? Uh, this was the first one. Oh, no, the second one is is a database of yeah. It, it's it's like oh, it's a, a full database already. Like all like all studies uh -huh, inside. I thought you were making your own database no, using no, that. No, 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 no. I see. It already has like a lot of a lot of studies. It's it's just like. Uh, and is it paid? Yeah, yeah. I might. Uh, I can send you. I might I, check it out. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you know, there's a lot of ways to find other paper, to find yeah. interesting papers for what you're studying. But, um, you know, there's not a one size fits all solution, and this sounds like could be better than many other methods I've tried. So, it would be interesting. It would be nice if I find the. Speaking of thesis. Yeah. Tell me you, what is your. Whether uh, can you decide my topic for me? <laughs> of course, man. Tell me. Tell me what yeah, is. Yeah, man. I don't know. Um, I have a. Uh, yeah, this is quite an interesting time to do the podcast with you because I haven't decided the topic yet. But also, I have a self-imposed deadline to decide by next Monday what the topic of my thesis is going to be. Okay. Um, it's Tuesday, so we have, I have six days left. Yes. So I'm open to ideas. Like I been offered by some professors to work on very very interesting topics um the ones that caught my attention the most are uh, trying to discover new species of birds using audio recordings because you will have um you have classifiers right that uh, can tell you from an audio recording what bird you're listening to but if there's a bird you've never classified before most models will inaccurately classify it as something else. So the professor was like, why don't we make an AI that can understand if a recording is a new unidentified species? That would be very interesting, I think. Um, you know, there's also a thing where like, how useful would that be? How impactful would that be rather? Because it depends how many people are going to use that as well. And, uh, you know, how many undiscovered species of birds are there that we do have recordings of? Well, we can't know, I guess. And I don't know if someone tried to estimate it. Uh, but I think that would be very interesting to know in general. Other things is like related to games. We have a professor here on Tilburg University that works with um, well, several, actually, that works with serious games, which is, for example... Serious games? Serious, like, uh, you know, games for fun and games for useful things uh, I met one PhD student who was doing his uh, research with the port of Rotterdam I believe and they are training operators using a game he's developing and they're um, what uh, a port operators yeah yeah, yeah. to with like people who are I think moving around their um, oh, how do you container box uh, shipping containers rather uh, people are moving around shipping containers they need training right uh, and so there's some research that's going on at the moment into seeing if playing some games will help you with that, will improve your skill. And they're, I think, a, a purposely designed game specifically for training on that, but also games that are apparently not related. For example, the one I was mentioning earlier, actually, Civilization, which is just a long-term strategy game. Um how does your skill in that game correlate to correlate to how well you can move around shipping containers? And apparently there's like a significant correlation between the two things where like if you play the game and it's not only a one, like it's also a causal relationship to where if you play the game longer, if you get more skillful but at for it. Real, you, like with games like Civilization? Yeah, straight up. 
like like it's about civilization like it's right. several games and one of them i unless i remember poorly which is always a possibility right one of them was specifically civilization Damn. plus there was some purpose pur- like uh, purpose specific games being developed um but it was you know not my research not my and i don't think it's published yet so mm-hmm. i don't want to give any wrong information but i thought like uh, so th- we have people working with serious games that's what i mean by a serious game like something yeah. that can be actually useful besides entertainment mm-hmm. uh and you know it turns out that maybe entertainment games can be useful as well in other ways um or you know like working with robotics we have a robotics lab and deep learning we have so many fucking things at this university where mm. i don't know what to work on yeah. there's like five six professors i want to work with them explain what is deep learning deep learning yeah man that's a difficult question okay, okay. I'll, do, I'll, i'll do my best and uh, if someone from the you know someone who's listening to this uh notices a mistake on my part i'll be happy to be corrected yeah Is this going to go on YouTube as well or is it yes. only on Spotify? Okay, definitely in the comment section then. Yeah. Call me out on my bullshit if anything is like that. But I'll give it a go. What is deep learning? Well, uh, to answer that, I'll start with saying in general what is meant by artificial intelligence. Um, and I will say that that is any artificial system, and typically we mean computers, that can... Uh, learn from a finite amount of information uh, how to extrapolate what they learned to other informations they haven't encountered before. <clears throat> so, uh, for an example, you have played a hundred games of chess. It doesn't mean you have played all the games of chess that can be. But an AI will learn from a hundred games how to play a thousand more um, with po- hopefully better results than their first game it's ever played. And that's not something that comes natural to a computer because a computer is not natural uh, it has to be designed to do what you want it to do it doesn't just happen to do the right thing so that's ai in general and machine learning is um what has been used for a long time uh, is like one of the first approaches to to ai we just talk about ai again like okay the, the difference is like if you AI is like the generic term Yeah, yeah, like, but with the chess example, like a, a basic computer program, how, uh, like with the basic programming would be, if you're in this position, then you do this move. Yes. And AI is different. I will say so. Uh, it In some sense of the word, you could consider that to be AI as well, but it's not intelligence. It's just, um, <laughs> it's more of a, <laughs> it's not like a technical discussion. It's more of a philosophical discussion, but, um, If you have, if you do that, you will never learn a new rule yeah. that has not been explicitly programmed to you. So you're not learning, you're just um, implementing an example, like a series of examples. You're like, oh, if I'm in this example, I'll do that. If I'm in this, But if there's an example that you've never seen before, you don't have a move available. Yeah. Uh, machine learning is a step further than that. So you will use more... Uh, traditional methods of, for example, uh, support vector machine is a good example that comes to mind. Or uh, actually, random forest might be easier. So you will have um, a series of if if then rules that are that the computer comes up with. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
so you don't have to explicitly say, if in this position, do that. If in this position, do that. You're just going to say, come up with a thousand rules. And the computer will come up with a thousand rules that lead to the highest success rate that they can find just by randomly modifying this, these rules. And or, those rules can be also more complicated than exactly this position this this can be if like the if i have 10 more points of equivalent score on the board then i can play this this branch of trees which are gonna be uh, more aggressive otherwise play the least less aggressive so you have uh, it splits off into many many decisions so it's not one decision it's not a 1000 list of if then it's if 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 and yeah. then, 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 like yeah. there's it branched uh, and nested decisions. Um, so that's that's something that co- it's considered uh, machine learning. And for example, so linear regressions, I think, is something that will um, count as machine learning. So you have a se- you try to approximate a function where um, from a series of, of inputs will produce you the output. So from the current state of the board, of the chessboard, you're going to try to come up with an output, which is going to be the current move. It's not as simple as that, actually. I don't think it would work with linear regression, but uh, in our, in, for the sake of maintaining the same so example, we, let's we, say we, it we have We have machine learning and linear regression is something else. I, I think linear, no, no, it's a type of machine learning okay. as well. Uh, there's many types of machine learning. Deep learning. It's also a type of machine learning. Uh, yes and no to where it is. A type of machine learning in the same sense as uh, easy though. Some basic deep learning is definitely considered machine learning as well. For example, multi-layer perceptrons is a model I can think of, which is just uh, what you will think of as a stereotypical traditional neural network. So you have uh, 10 neurons, which are just, they take the sum of the inputs multiplied by a value. So each input is multiplied by a random number, well, a number, um, and then you add it all together, and that's going to be the input of one neuron, and it's going to output zero or one, depending if it's above or below a threshold. Yeah. And then you do that for 10 neurons, each of them will have different num- dip- different weights, they're called weights. Uh, and different the weight is how easy they are? Um, no, the weight is how. what do you multiply the input by? So mm-hmm. it's it's very abstract. I understand your confusion. Uh, you have, let's say, just three neurons, okay? And the inputs are one, two, three. In each neuron? Um, sorry, the input to the whole system. You have three also. Three inputs, three neurons, and then one output. Yeah. Uh, the inputs are one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. The weights for the first neuron towards all of the inputs are going to be 0. 0.5, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.5. So the first neuron... Because 1 times 0.5, 2 times 0.5, 3 times 0.5. You sum those up and you get what's that 3 as the output or something. As the as the sum of the inputs. Okay. Once you have that sum of the inputs, you check if it's above or below the bias. You know how uh, to me the wait, paper uh, always talks about... I uh, already don't understand the first part. Okay. So wait, you have three That's neurons... Fine. No, and, uh, no, first three, three inputs. Three inputs. Three inputs are have bra- are connected to the first neuron, and okay. they're connected to the second neuron as well, and then they're connected to the third neuron. Okay. As well. And the and inputs are one, two, and three. For example. Okay, but but how how is uh, zero point five coming out? That's of a one? weight. 
Those are the weights. So each ah. of these connections has a number. Okay, uh, the, the connections have weight and the neurons have thresholds. Yes. Okay, I think yes. now I understand. Okay. okay. Uh, man, once your podcast gets a higher budget, you're going to have to add animations to what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in, in short, you take the numbers, multiply them by some number, uh, the inputs, you multiply them by some number. I think, and sum them I, I together. Think, okay, I can try to explain because I just, okay. I think I just, you tell me if it's wrong because if I just learned it, I will be the best one that can explain. I think that's better. Because if you just learn it, yeah, it's, it's, okay, so you have like a neuron or an input and yeah. it's connected to another one and you can just uh, imagine like there's a ball here, it's a connection with, or there's a neuron here, it's a connection and there's another neuron next to it. Sure. Uh, and the connection is like, if, if this one sends a signal, like then this connection is like the connection can have a different strength like the connection mm -hmm. can and the strength of the it is like it's the weight or how did it you call it it is called a weight it's, yes it's the strength the of the connection uh, and and this is by how much the signal of this first neuron is multiplied before it gets to the second one yes um, absolutely okay so and how do you determine if a neuro a neuron is going to output or not a signal this is in the neuron this is the it's determined by whether the the sum of the inputs yeah. overcomes the bias or not. The, okay, the threshold. The bi bias is the threshold. So, yes. for example, this neuron needs at least five to fire. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. So, from the input example I gave you earlier, it will not fire. But maybe the second input, uh, the second neuron had higher weights, so it will fire. And so, oh. if you have multiple layers, that's why it's called a multi multi-layer perceptron, because you usually stack them. You have one layer, then one layer, one layer, and they're all interconnected. Um, that is also usually called a dense network or like a dense layer, usually when you have more advanced models or fully connected neural network. Uh, these are all name, different names for the same c concept. And going back to your original question, that will be a type of, that will be something that I will think of as a, Deep learning model, but that also counts as machine learning because it's definitely just not that complicated. Is, yeah. It means, but that they the the thresholds and the weights they change by themselves. Yes, they are initialized. They're they're typically initialized uh, random. Mm -hmm. Like you will have random numbers there between zero and one, or negative one and one, for example. Um, and then you do this thing called back propagation, and don't ask me how it works because. I wouldn't know properly. You know, it's one of those things where you know how it works, but you don't yeah. really know because you can't explain it, right? Um, but yeah, you basically uh, you have a function that will... You test your input and your output. You see if the output is correct. If it's not correct, you're going to backpropagate. So you're going to send a signal backwards in the network to change the weights a little bit in the direction that will minimize the error, will minimize um, the chances of you but, making that mistake but, but again. But for example, if you try to learn to teach a chess, there's yeah. not a wrong move. Like uh, the, the target there will be you won or you lost. And you will not use this type of model, but in okay. general, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, because so it's like, it's not like one action and one, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, exactly. Hmm. Uh, the, then you would use deep, uh, how do you call it? Reinforcement learning. And Andre, you already interviewed him, so I hope you asked him stuff about that. Well, but Andre is an expert uh, about that. I will ask he did him. his thesis on it. Nice, that's um, perfect. But I have another question: Is this uh, network with the neurons? Is it always like 
layer and they're all only propagating in, in one direction and next yes. and next and next or okay. can it be like a random like like a brain where everyone's impacting uh, each other i will not say it's always like that because i'm sure someone did it differently but it's uh, almost always like that where you have one input and one output and it always propagates forward okay and i hate that and i think that's why we don't have agi yet <laughs> okay like that's a big big jump forward in the conversation but like um I feel like I've argued with this with about this with some professor, like where I was saying the brain doesn't work like that. It's and not the professor forward. Exactly. It's right? like and yeah. You have multiple and also not every neuron like you have skip connections where like layer one connects directly to layer five, like a neuron from here connects to here without passing in in between. And a neuron from here will connect back to the start to to give forward and backward uh, information. And uh, the thing is that that I think that ChatGPT, right? Why is it not? Why don't I think it's conscious? It's because it gets one input and outputs one output, like one syllable, one token, actually. And then uh, when you see the whole stream of output, it's not actually doing that as one output. It's doing one syllable at a time with the input of the initial conversation plus the syllable generated plus the non plus one and um, it doesn't have a continuous activation it's not able to think on its own when it's not talking to someone because it doesn't loop back the output to the input yeah. you just input it's a lot of times and only, get a lot of outputs I, I give you this input this output this input this yes. output again and, and it's like input output stop and then start again exactly. input output stop exactly. and so it's, it's if you like pause it it stops thinking yeah right um, that would and also it has zero independence in what it wants to think about okay so but so if, I think it would yeah. be interesting to loop it back to itself uh, they do it in some way when uh, people put two versions of ChatGPT talking to itself right but I would like to see it on a deeper, like, ne neural level. Like, you connect the neurons in it with themselves and just let it run. And when it feels like it, it would love to output something. And I don't even know what feels like it means because it's not like, a well-defined concept, like, right? If you say they are, like, they are, the neurons are touching, like, going back and forth, then it means that they're, like, circles going around even when yeah. you're not texting with it. It's exactly. Like, there's, like, an event going here, here, here. Some things are changing, uh... You can maybe even make it like the brain that the connections I used more get stronger or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things you could do with yeah. that, right? But uh, what I would like to see, um, and I don't know if it has been done already. I think I should really uh, find out and maybe, you know, come back for a follow-up when yeah. I do find out because I think it's really interesting though. I, I'm pretty sure that people did. I, I think I, when I was trying to learn a little bit about neural yeah. networks, I saw that there were like somewhere that looks like random, but I don't know if, but I don't know if it's like in a, in a larger scale. Maybe it was just like too, I um, There are models that are more similar to how the brain works. Uh, and in that instead, for example, Julio knows really a lot about them. It's called uh, spiking neural networks, mm -hmm. where a uh, neural network where it, it is somewhat continuous. Um, well, of course it's it's digital, so it can't, truly be continuous but it's about as it's an, a good approximation of a continuous brain um and but the problem with those is that they really don't work so well yet 
like they have been uh, people have been researching about them for a while uh, and they don't have great results as far as I know yeah and the, uh, these normal ones with the layers they built ChatGPT so they're like yeah, they, they work so well, right? Like, like yeah, uh, that's the problem. It's crazy how. Yeah. And and I feel also like looping ChatGPT's neurons back on, in on themselves will just make it way less efficient somehow. But I feel like it will be more true to how the brain works, and it will also it, it, like if you give it the chance to think when it's not speaking, and think again. It's it's not a proper word because unless you believe it's conscious. It's not thinking, it's just crunching numbers. But then again, what's the difference, right? Um, but at least I would like to see this thing tried to know if it's gonna just always, always end up, you know, looping and repeating the same thing or maybe get stuck where like all the weights, not all the weights, all the signals go to one or zero and you just have a string of neurons that's active and nothing else ever activates because it found a stable, a stable solution basically to the equation that it's approximating. Uh, that would be language for ChatGPT. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think about that sometimes and I'm like, why does it not work like that? And also, as I said, I, I was talking about a, about this topic with a professor and explained pretty much the same train of thought. And the professor was like, yeah, but the brain it doesn't work in a continuous way. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Tell me about that one. <laughs> well, um, it, it kind of does, but he explained to me that it approximates, it's so close to being uh, cyclical where there's like something starts, a neuron starts firing in a part of the brain and then there's a cascade effect in the whole brain that will synchronize basically um, to where it's almost as if there was one input and one output. The input being this first activation and the output being the cascade effect of neurons activating. And it doesn't usually go backwards. But... I don't know. It feels like there's something missing there. Wait, wait. When one neuron fires, not necessarily one, but like yeah, a group yeah, but, of neurons, right? You, you see something that stimulates. So, so is it? Does he mean like the the brain waves? Because I think that's that's maybe true. That like, yeah. oh, is it like with uh, the brain it, waves? It is about the brain waves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So because but they're uh, like very well synchronized, and uh, that means that all neurons fire, all neurons yeah. break, all neurons fire, all ne or like. Most of them fire, most of them break. And that's, a, that's a better explanation than what I said, but it's yes, that's what I'm referring to. Hmm. But still, I think they're back propagating, or however you call it, or like they're, they're, like, they're yeah, exactly sure. right. Like, they're synchronized. So yeah. he used that to argue with me, like, no, what you're saying doesn't make sense because the brain doesn't actually have multiple directions of communication because they all start at the same time and end at the same time. Hmm. but like come on man like i i think you're yes you're right like they're very well synchronized and there's maybe 99.99 percent of the neurons are um firing at the same time but you know what that means there's still like 100 million neurons firing at a different time and they do do something i don't think they're just you know firing for no reason they still have a role in the in how you experience the world and even if it even if they fire break fire break it doesn't mean that they are not, that it's not uh, that it's not 
continuous because they are if they're all connected yeah. to each other and then you don't have like it's it's never really off it's like maybe it's it's it's, it's, it's like you know that's what yeah. i'm getting at right it's never really off it's like there, there there's no yeah there, there's no moment where it really stops it just maybe they're just like recovering but they're yeah. not they are not like not processing anything anymore yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. i really want to well i i guess spiking neural networks are an approximation of that where you actually have this um more continuous way of operating mm -hmm. um damn that is super interesting like i like another thing is the difference between brain and like neural networks is that in the brain you also have like all the chemicals yeah uh, and that's like it's not only the the signal ah, it's like man, i have an idea uh, about that as well but uh again tell me. yeah like you know how i'll, I'll do a small uh, i'll go on a small tangent hopefully it's gonna be small uh you know how in the zettel cast and so like the how to take smart notes book um the author is like you can't start writing about a topic uh, about a topic if you haven't first read what other people have done uh, so that's why you'd have to take research. Like when you do research, rather you're reading a bunch of stuff and you don't know what you're going to write about because you don't know what's already been done. So you should first learn a lot about that topic and then like, oh, there's a gap here. Let me fill that gap. So sometimes when I talk about these things, I feel like um, I should close those, I should learn first what's been done thoroughly and then I can think about closing those gaps. I know other people who are just like, let's let's do things, let's start doing things. Uh, and in that sense, I feel like I might have some bit of imposter syndrome. But mm -hmm. on the other sense, I also feel like, you know, uh, these are big and complicated topics. Of course, I must be missing some of the research that has been done in there. So you mean that you are afraid to like say oh i have this idea exactly. and in the end there's like somebody like else that already had this idea and you're like ah okay it's yeah. not my idea really i should have just read a little more exactly yeah. exactly so uh with that with that um let's say forewarning uh my idea is to because as you mentioned they're in the brain wheels have all the chemicals and stuff like that but what do the chemi what the chemicals do for the most part is modulating the activation levels of different parts of the brain um so like for example um like the the most talked about uh, chemical in the brain is probably dopamine uh, that is gonna uh, when you have more dopamine or less dopamine in your brain it's gonna change which parts of the brain get activated uh which ones are more active or less active or for example um it's gonna reinforce some patterns by making them become more activated when you do something that releases dopamine um in that sense neural networks don't have something like this so what i've been thinking about is to make two neural networks like um it's like a, you have one that is flat right a, a neural network that i was describing earlier like a multi-layer perceptron like a basic neural network it's gonna have inputs and outputs and a lot of neurons in between what if you make another neural network that's kind of like two slices of a sandwich right one is going to be the main one, which is going to be the neurons in our brain. And the other one is going to be a network that simulates emotions, as in the chemicals that are going around in your brain. Mm -hmm. And all it does, it doesn't have an output, 
but it does have an influence on changing the weights and the biases of the other network. So, so the input would be the underlying network and the output would be also on the underlying network. Yeah, kind of, something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, and I really have, like, on a conceptual level, I think there's a path there, but in practice, I don't know how I would implement it. But this, I, I think this could be... Does it sound well, interesting, at least? Yeah, that's, that's of course. Uh, you like know? For, if you use this, it, I think this could, like, actually simulate... Because this way you can, like, pretty much simulate also, like, all the different kind of neurotransmitters. Yeah. Uh, like, you don't really simulate them, but... No, you just like, approximate them. Yeah. It's just a number, right? You reduce yeah, it to a yeah. number, but and the function will be the but same. But you can make, like, okay, if... Because in the brain, it's the same. Like, if, if like, this area of my brain is active, then there's a lot of dopamine, uh, mm -hmm. uh, like released in my brain and because of this dopamine like another area gets more active and you could build the same like the underlying network you use it to like when those patterns of neurons are active then uh like then it reaches like the threshold for input in the uh in the upper layer and then in the upper layer something happens and then it has like an output in another part and like this multiple times yeah like, or i don't know I don't really know how one would go about implementing that, but I feel like there's a path there. I feel like that would be a PhD level type of research, though. It would not be something I'm able to pull off. But I'm going to, you know, talk about it with some professors in the next yeah. days and see if it could be a thesis. That is really <laughs> interesting, Ex especially you could also, you could stack and stack and stack, like you can stack a lot on top mm -hmm. of each other and look what happens. Like you don't have to approximate yeah. anything. You can just stack them on top of each other It's like it's maybe even similar to uh, it, then in this way it maybe still be but but you could use like this upper layer to back propagate like to to start inputs on one part and get them mm -hmm. like back like then it's not super linear anymore maybe the uh, problem with uh, something like this is how the heck do you train it how do you yeah. train emotions How do you define emotions, first of all? Like, no, 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 no. Like, uh, first thing, you don't even, like, of course you can train emotion, but I think this would be something, or I don't know, if, of course, if you can, mm -hmm. I have no idea. But the thing is, just try this kind of neural network if it has, like, new or better abilities than the ones before and just see what happens or... <laughs> It's um, not as simple as that. <laughs> Yeah, because like uh, if you build it, you have to do something with it, right? Like, uh, what does it? If you have to have it separate from the main thing, and not just be this main thing but bigger, um, it's gonna have to require some different way of handling it as well. Because otherwise, it's just a big neural network. I don't mean a big neural network. I mean a neural network with an extra uh, dimension, basically, and that dimension just doesn't alter doesn't take doesn't contribute into the production of the output but it contributes in altering the network itself over time so what happens is um i could give you the same input multiple times and the output and maybe the network gets bored and it's gonna start giving you a different output after a while Mm -hmm. because the, for example this additional layer could uh, be the continuous part that we've been saying 
instead of having the main network, you leave it discrete as it is right now, for example, for ChatGPT, and then you build a version that has an additional layer and that additional layer is continuous and it emulates emotions. So you get something the first time and it's going to be like, oh, interesting. Let me, you know, respond by activating these neurons. And then you give it again and again and again, it gets bored. Or you give it, <laughs> this is where it gets tricky. tricky. You give it something that it likes. What does like mean? I don't know. Uh, it's going to answer in one way or another way. What I'm trying to do in this case, in this thought experiment, let's call it thought experiment. It's not to create a very efficient and useful network. It's just to simulate chemicals in the brain to make it more, to make it feel more sentient, I guess. But uh, there's so many variables and like unknowns about something like this, where I don't know how I will even tackle the problem. Probably but, with some research. Though. Yeah. This is interesting. For sure. Hmm. One, one question uh, before we end this. Um, do you think that this, if, if you do this, um, if you try to simulate the brain, do you think by simulating the brain you can build something conscious or like AGI by like simulating how the brain works or is this something totally different? In short, yes, you can, I believe you can get to, well, you asked me actually two things. Uh, do I believe you can get something that is conscious? Yes. Do I believe you can get something that is an AGI? Yes, but they are not the same thing to me. Where you can have an artificial general intelligence that is not conscious. To the point where I believe ChatGPT, like GPT-5 or 6, if it's the same as it is now, but better, it is an artificial general intelligence because it's, well, obviously artificial and it is intelligent. Like it outperforms humans on a lot of tasks and eventually, if, probably, if you keep improving it, it's going to outperform humans on most, if not all tasks. So that is going to be artificial and general because it works on all tasks and intelligent because it's better than human on all these tasks. Will they say that ChatGPT? improved will be conscious probably not because of the thing we were talking about earlier because it takes input and output and then it poses you it's like literally an equation just an extremely complicated one and it does not have any agency over its own inputs and outputs it cannot affect what it's going to get as an input um maybe maybe can like in some uh, indirect way but the neurons don't talk to themselves. They, there's no internal communication. There's only a forward pass. That's why I think it could be artificial general intelligence. It will not be conscious. On the other hand, I believe if you do simulate a more complex version of that, where it actually has um, a higher degree of agency, and it can talk when it feels like, it can output when it wants to, and not output when it doesn't want to regardless of what's, what it's taking as an input. Because it could have no input and still produce an output if it feels like it. And it could have an input and it doesn't answer you because it doesn't want to right now. It will be less useful probably, but it will be uh, something that feels way more conscious to me. And 
you know, I believe being conscious does require being an artificial general intelligence in a more loose term of the way, where it could, in principle, talk about everything. It doesn't have to be better than humans at everything to be AGI. But if you're better than humans at everything, I would definitely say you're AGI, but just not conscious. Hmm. Okay, man. This is interesting. I have to think about this. <laughs> um, we can talk about it in saunas next time we go together. Oh, yes. <laughs> and Okay, man. Thank you, Guido. We'll do this again. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. When I've decided the topic on my thesis and possibly also oh, execute yes. it on Sorry, I didn't help you this time. It's but, fine. Uh, maybe we can... Yeah, it's okay. See you, man. It's been a pleasure. See you next time. This has been a Rational Optimization Podcast. I hope you learned something. As you may know, I'm trying to make this podcast as good as possible. Like I'm trying to provide as much value as I possibly can in every episode to you so today i'm not asking you for like a five-star review or anything like this i'm asking you could you please if you have any idea what i can improve to make this podcast or to make each episode or to just make this episode if i would do it again more valuable to you can you give me feedback like on spotify there are those feedback boxes and on youtube you can write a comment. It would be really amazing if you would help me to make this podcast as good as possible. See you in the next one.